You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Anyway, we want to say again, welcome to everyone. And again, for those who are here for the first time, it's incredible the amount of people who are so hungry to get right with God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Every week, we had another two guys last week, another two guys at the 10 o'clock service, and maybe there's some here at this service as well who want to start an adventure with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Or maybe you're watching in and you've never taken that step. This is today is the day of salvation. You can do it today. You don't have to wait till you're old. You don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed. You can do it now. Would anyone here say amen? amen. Would anyone online type in amen? They're all typing it in. I'm going to speak today on a thing called Run, Baby, Run. And um, some of you who are old enough will remember a book written, I think it was the early 80s, maybe it was the 70s, but it was a book about a New York gang member who became born again and a whole load of gang members in New York got wonderfully saved by grace. And the guy's name was, anyone know his name? Oh, it was everyone of a certain era knew that one. Nicky Cruz, he actually came to Cork once back in the 80s as well. But I'm using that title because I liked it, but I'm not talking about gangs in New York because I know nothing about gangs in New York, nor will I pretend to know anything. However, we can see in scripture about people running. Um, I was, uh, what sparked this was I was reading an article in the Irish Times how because of the lockdown, a load of people who are now working from home said, I can buy or I can move to a bigger house with a bigger garden in a nicer area because I don't have to commute to work. And so a load of people started looking at properties in outside the city in kind of semi-rural areas, but particularly West Cork. And it reminded me of something that happened when I was a young teenager. All of the experts in Europe came out with this prediction that if there was a nuclear war back then, which would be in Central Europe, and the bomb was dropped, probably between Poland, East Germany, West Germany at the time, the safest place for anyone to be in Europe because of the winds and the weather and the distance was the southwest of Ireland, but particularly West Cork. And so tens of thousands of Germans and Dutch and all nationalities began to buy property in West Cork. Many of them and their descendants are still there today. Um, but a whole load of people ran from a perceived threat to the beauty and safety of West Cork. Apparently Cork City was safe enough as well. Anyone say hallelujah? <laughs> hallelujah. Anyway, so it sparked a thing in me and I began to pray and think about how sometimes I have maybe run away from things God wanted me to stand and face. So I'm going to look at that today and we're going to look at a well-known, some of you will know it well and for others it's probably your first time seeing it. It's about a woman or a girl called Hagar and we can read about it in Genesis 16. If you want to get the full blessing of today, read the chapter. It'll take you about four minutes to read it at home. But read the full chapter in depth at home and you'll get the full story. But I'm going to look at how this girl was thrown into a hot mess, really not of her own choice. Uh, we're looking at a couple called Abraham and Sarai. Their names changed to Abraham and Sarah after this as a recognition 
of a change in their hearts towards God or a deepening of their walk with God. You see it in the New Testament. Uh, Simon became Peter. Joseph became Barnabas. They used to give each other a new name to reflect what, something of the grace of God in their lives back then. I wonder if someone was to give you a new name, what would your new name be? Would they call you, some of the girls here are called Grace, would they call you Grace? Or uh, Anyway, Faithful, there's some fantastic names out there, but they got a new name. So Abraham and Sarah and Hagar are the three people in this situation. I'm using the French term menage a trois, which basically means three people in a marriage. Um, this was never God's idea, but it was the culture back then. So we're going to read about that. And Abraham and Sarai, Sarai couldn't have a child, even though God had promised her. And while God did open her womb and give her a child a little later on, she got impatient. Kind of like you and me do sometimes. And she decided to help God along. <gasps> don't ever give God a handout like that, amen? Honestly, don't. If God said he's going to do it, we don't have to help him to do it. He'll do it miraculously. He'll do it in his way and in his time. We must be faithful to what he's called us to do, but we don't need to hurry him up. So into that, we're going to parachute in here to Genesis chapter 16. And may the word of God bless our souls today. Amen. Because Sarai wasn't having any children... She gave her servant Hagar to her husband Abram to have a child. But when Hagar got pregnant, she began to despise Sarai. And so Sarai ill-treated Hagar in return. Then Hagar ran away, and the Lord found her in the desert. And he asked her, Hagar, Servant of Sarai, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from Sarai, she replied. And then God said, go back, submit to Sarai, and I will bless you. And you will have a son, and he's to be called Ishmael. And he will become a father of many nations, for I have heard your misery. And so Hagar obeyed the Lord. And she gave the name Elroy to the Lord, saying, You are the God who sees me. And then into verse 1 of 17. And later the Lord appeared to Abram, saying, I am El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Hallelujah. Every time, I read this portion of scripture and I've read it, I don't know how often over the decades, the hair in the back of my neck stands up. This is so powerful. It's so human and it's so evocative of the God who is a rescuer, who rescues us in our mess. Would anyone say amen? amen? Let me explain a culture thing. What exactly was this girl Hagar? Um, many versions say she was a servant. Well, in Irish history, in what was known as the Cromwellian invasion, a lot of native Irish people uh, were dispossessed from their home and land. Um, many started starving. We think that was the where the traveling people, John, you're down there, the traveling people probably started back then. But many others who were dispossessed from their land back then 
had to, they were starving, and so they had to sell themselves into a thing called indentured uh, servanthood. And basically, they sold themselves for like 10 years, 20 years to a master or a mistress, and they sold their time, they sold everything so that they could have a place to have a roof over their head and something to eat. Many of them were sent out to the West Indies and their descendants in Bermuda, the Bahamas, are still found today. They're known as red legs by the local people there and you can work out why that is. But they were indentured servants and it's a type of slavery and we think that's probably what Hagar was, a type of indentured servant. She had no choice. On top of that, just thinking about the recent Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we're told that she was from Egypt, but it's probably the very southern part, often called Cush in the Bible, which meant she was a dark-skinned girl. So what we're looking at here is a black girl who's a single mother, who's pregnant, and who has everything in life stacked against her. So try and get our heads around this in a modern context, because the Bible speaks for you and me today, hallelujah. It speaks into our lives. It speaks into your experience and mine. So here we have a dark-skinned girl who's about to become a single mother and nothing is going her way. And so she, because she didn't have a choice, she was given to Abraham. Now, God never asked for this to happen. God was not for this practice. But in that culture, nobody blinked an eye. So if you were a couple and you as a wife had a servant girl and you decided to give your husband the servant girl to raise a child, no one would blink an eye. They go, oh yeah, it's a bit like a pint of milk and a sliced pan. It's a thing of nothing. The culture said it's okay, but God never wanted it. It's a bit like today. Loads of things happening today. Loads of things the culture doesn't blink an eye at. You want to get an abortion? Yeah, yeah. It's your right to choose. Kill the baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God doesn't say yeah. Sometimes God says no, amen? amen? But the culture said it was okay, but God never wanted it. And when you and I start living a lifestyle that God has never called for, and we go outside of the protection and the umbrella of God's rhythm, we end up in a hot mess. And that's what happened here. Here's two verses, verse four. Hagar began to despise Sarai. Why did she do that? It's probably the first time in her life she had something up on another person. This mistress, this older woman, Sarai, who had all the power, all the wealth, they were very wealthy, all the influence. Suddenly, this girl who had nothing going for her suddenly had something more than that woman could have. And so in a human way, and she shouldn't have done it, she was wrong, she began to look down on Sarai. And then of course, and this is the template for all relationships breaking down, Sarai then, because Sarai was insulted, she then began to mistreat Hagar. And a vicious circle emerges in this relationship. This is how marriages break down. This is how friends stop talking. This is how churches split. This is how nations go to war. One person takes insult, and instead of a bit of grace and kindness, there's another insult back, and it gets out of hand. And do you know who lives in the middle of that vicious circle? Satan. He loves that. He loves it when our pride is wounded and we lash back and they lash back and it gets worse and it gets worse. I've done it myself. I've been there to my shame. May God forgive me. It's a glorious thing 
the book of Proverbs says, to overlook an offense. Blessed are who? The peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the war makers, the peacemakers. So there's a vicious circle. It's getting worse and worse. It's a hot mess. And what happens? Hagar ran away from her mistress. She runs away from Sarai. She's not running towards anything. She's running away from something. If you're running today, are you running from or are you running towards? If you're running towards the open arms of Jesus, you're in the right direction. But if you're just always running from something, there's something wrong. And here in Hagar's life, the poor girl, we can understand it, but still, she wasn't doing the right thing. She was running away from a situation. But the rescuer, but the living God who sees a black young girl who's pregnant and whose life is a hot mess, yet the Lord is no respecter of persons and he breaks in to her experience and we're told in verse 8, the Lord himself appeared to Hagar saying, Hagar, where have you come from? Where are you going? If you want to know the theology this is known as a Christophany. This is where the second person of the Trinity of the triune God appeared before Jesus came on earth. Because the second person of the Godhead always existed. It's just 2,000 years ago he took on the body of Jesus. But he existed before that. And the Old Testament refers to him as the angel of the Lord. How do we know it was God? Because when people bowed down to worship him, he accepted it. Other angels or angels wouldn't accept that, but he accepted it. So this is Jesus in pre-incarnate form appearing to a black girl whose life is in a mess and who's about to have a baby and she's all over the place. But God has mercy and he breaks in and he chooses above all the men of power and all the women of power all over the world, he chooses to appear to this girl, this nothing girl from a human point of view. Where have you come from? Everyone knows that. But where are you going? She didn't know where she was going. She was just running on hurt. This was panic and pain and emotion. She had no concept of where she was going and what her future was going to become. She had no plan. And the old saying is true. If you fail to plan, then plan to fail. She just ran. But God in his mercy broke into her situation. What I love about this, and I have read this hundreds of times over the last 40 years, but only this week did I see something that to me was a revelation, that to me kept up this theme I have been seeing in Scripture. If you remember last week, we looked at Mary Magdalene, and we're told that the risen Jesus was standing outside the tomb. And Mary was so upset and distraught, she couldn't see. She thought someone robbed the body of Jesus. And she turned around and she saw Jesus, but she thought he was the gardener. But as soon as Jesus Christ said, Mary, just one word, one word, one word, just her name. As soon as he said that, she responded Rabboni back. She knew it was the Lord. And here, the very first word out of God's mouth is Hagar. Hagar. He calls her by her name. It's not, hey, black young one who's pregnant. No, 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 no. Hagar. He gave her dignity. 
He gave her her humanity. He gave her respect. He gave her love. Now contrast that, and I've never seen this before, but when I looked at Genesis 16, all over the place, Abram and Sarai never called her by her name. In verse 2, verse 5, verse 6 and elsewhere, she's either known as my servant, your servant, the servant. You know what this feels like. If you're in school, it's like the black guy down in the corner or it's the girl with the red hair and the glasses over there or at work, the woman who takes the incoming calls or the guy in the building site who brushes up, your teacher, your boss. So many people don't know your name, but he knows your name. He knows my name. That's why, as best as we can, Michael and I have always, and Denise and Elma, we've tried to create a culture here where we know people's names. I know it's nothing. You might say even a common name like Tom, but it's so important because it takes it from just the philosophical and it makes it down deep and personal. Hagar, I wonder what she felt. She must have, it must have startled her because no one had ever called her by her name. You. I mean, we have a joke at home. It's an old Cork saying. Um, I know when the kids were growing up and uh, if someone referred to Denise, they said, yeah, yeah, she, she's making the dinner and Denise rightly will correct them when they were young and she'd go, she, the cat's mother, is it? <laughs> you must give people their dignity and their courtesy and call them by name. Would anyone say amen? It's free. It costs you nothing. And you know what? By thinking of others, strange or oh strange, you'll be blessed yourself. So God calls her Hagar. And so for the first time in years, she knows something is different here. The Lord appears to her. Let me take you on a short detour from our main story here. If you do whistle top tour of the scripture, Matthew 10, 30, we're told, Every hair on your head is counted. The Lord knows every hair on your head. Some of you have beautiful, full heads of hair. Do you know what I love? I know I love the wogs. You know the big wog hairstyle? I think they're so cool. It's like big hair. Now you're kind of going, mm-hmm. Poor Tom, he has no hair. Well, do you know what? I've loads of hair here at the back. Hallelujah. See all that hair? I have billions of hair follicles at the back. <laughs> So if you've got a fine head of hair, God knows the number on the hairs of your head. And if you're follically challenged like me, God knows the numbers on the hair on my head. It's individual. It's unique. Would anyone say hallelujah? So this is the God who loves us. Even a sparrow, if it falls to the ground, not one falls to the ground unless the Father knows about it. How much more worth are you than a sparrow? Hallelujah. This is how intimate and personal it gets. You can read Psalm 147 about God's personal compassion for you. Or we sang it in our last song, and it's from the book of Deuteronomy 31. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hallelujah. But most wonderful of all is John 3.16, which tells us about how we can begin by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, if you were the only person on earth or I was the only person, he would have died for us. Hallelujah. That's how personal it is. You know, I'm not even going to read this out. I'm going to sing it. Are you up for that? Would you sing along with me? 
I know I'm not a worship leader, but let's sing it. For God so loved the world. You sing that home. That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes will not perish. They shall have eternal life. Hallelujah. If you're new here today, or if you've never experienced God in this way, don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is doing something when every gathering, two or three people are responding to this. You see, the devil is trying to isolate people in this coronavirus season, but God will overrule the devil. When God will have us cower in fear, yet, sorry, Satan will have us cower in fear. God will lift us above it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, we're going to give you an opportunity very shortly in about, uh, maybe in about 10 minutes time to do it by the grace of God. Let's get back to our narrative today. Jesus, or the Lord said to uh, Hagar, go back and submit to Sarai and I will bless you. Now, David Guzik, a very interesting Bible commentator said, how many counselors today, if you went to a counselor, would tell you, go back into a toxic situation? I don't think anyone would. How many pastors would? Would I do it? naturally no my natural inclination is get out of a toxic situation and that's true a lot of the time but sometimes there is a going back Moses was sent back to Egypt and he didn't want to go there after 40 years Joseph went back we also read of people like Naomi she had to go back to Bethlehem with her husband and sons dead she went back with shame and with depression in effect she went back sometimes God has us going back but not to torture us to bless us basically what the Lord is saying to Hagar here is you need to go back and clean this up Hagar don't run away with everything in a mess go back I'll deliver you from it but if you obey me I will bless you if there's a blessing not coming in your life one of the reasons not the only one is that we block the blessing because we're not walking in obedience with God. Obey him and release the blessing. Hallelujah. So Hagar, we're told, was going to do it. And he said, your son is to be called Ishmael. I am the God who hears and I have heard your misery. The very first person in the Bible who God gives a name for and asks for a name to be put upon a child is not the father of the Jews. It's Ishmael, the father of the Arabs. And some people feel very uncomfortable about that. But you know what? God can save Arabs just as he can save anyone. Amen. I am so encouraged by the move of God all over the Middle East where Arab Muslims are waking up in the middle of the night and this is tens of thousands of accounts. Don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. But they're waking up in the middle of the night because they're dreaming of this Jesus who's appearing to them in dreams. And it starts, it leaves this huge emotional aftertaste in their souls. And it starts them finding Jesus. There's no preacher as such. It's God directly intervening because it's so difficult. And I've been so encouraged to see young men and women all over the Middle East publicly come forward to be baptized. And as soon as they do it, there's a name, there's a death threat on them. You talk about a virus. 
these people are going and getting baptized and they're not ashamed of their Lord. Hallelujah. They're not ashamed of Jesus. These are real men, real women. And they're taking their faith seriously. And even though Islamic Jihad and ISIS and all of these guys want to kill them, they know that their God is greater. Hallelujah. And so God will save Arabs just as he'll save Irish or Asian or African. He doesn't, he's not into the race, he's into the people. Hallelujah. And look at what God says. I'm the God who hears you and I have heard your misery. The Lord is speaking to a mature woman here who's been praying for a son or a daughter and it's an ancient prayer. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling me. You have an ancient prayer and you've been praying for a son or a daughter for years and this is God's word for you. I've heard your prayer today. I'm hearing it today. I am shifting something in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places and God is going to change their heart. Hallelujah. You know, the prodigal son, it said he was with the pigs, and then he came to his senses. Some people, it takes a long time around the mountain. They keep getting hurt and hurt and hurt before they realize, hang on a while, there's a better way. There's a better way. Can we close our eyes for one moment? I know I'm interrupting the sermon, but I don't care. Let's all close our eyes. If there's a lady here, and you've been praying for a son or a daughter for a long time with nobody looking. But I need to know this isn't fake because I'm not going to pray if there isn't anyone here. Would you slip up your hand? Okay, I see your hand. I see your hand and yours and yours and yours. Okay, we've five ladies, I think, put up their hands. I don't know if it's for one of you or all of you, but I'm going to pray with all my heart. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are the God who heard not only Hagar, you hear our sister's prayers. And for these sons and daughters represented here, we ask you now, Lord, as you hear the prayer, would you move something in the heavenly realm? Would you shift what's needed to be shifted? And we pray that these sons and daughters would either come to their senses or you would heal them, or you would deliver them. This isn't an empty prayer. We sincerely pray it into these five families with all our hearts. Oh God, do a miracle and do what you did for Hagar. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. and the people online said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Don't give up hope. Sometimes when God hears, he'll act immediately, and sometimes something will start changing. So God can't be put in a box that way, but God has heard. Praise God. Hagar obeyed the Lord. Remember, when we obey God, we open the door for God to bless us. When we are in rebellion against God, you know what the Bible says? The rebellious dwell in a parched and barren land. You don't believe me? Look it up yourself. The rebellious dwell in a bad place. You live in a bad place. If we rebel against God, life is hard. Life gets difficult. Live life in God's rhythm and we really do live the best way. Why is it that people who love the Lord tend to live longest on this earth, tend to live healthier on this earth? I could give you loads of facts, but it comes down to this. Obey God.
and he will tends to bless you and to bless me. And God said to Hagar, I have heard you. You see, it was so important for God to tell Hagar, I've heard you. I believe for those five ladies who put up their hands for at least one, and maybe all of you, God wants you to know, I've heard you. And it's important that he says it. The Christian writer, um, Denise Colmere says, about Hagar's situation here, God soothed Hagar's worries. And he gave comfort to her wounded heart, her wounded and her weary heart. Who is the comforter? It's the Holy Spirit. And the Lord does what he did for Hagar, he does today. He comforted and he soothed her and he binded up her wounds. And he gave her strength when she was weary. Look at her response. Hagar says in verse 13, You are El Roy, the God who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. I'm fascinated. God said, I heard you. Hagar said, I see you. Can you see the full virtuous circle going on with this relationship? My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. If you've never heard God's voice, he wants you to hear his voice. Ah, that's for pastors. No, it's not. Where does it say that in the Bible? There's a thing in the Bible called the priesthood of all believers. You are a priest. Okay. <laughs> Don't think of it that way. We can all hear God. Would anyone say amen? He can speak to us as we read the Bible, or we can hear the still small voice. He'll speak to us through open and closed doors in our lives. He'll speak to us by giving us the Holy Spirit's peace. It's like an umpire in our hearts. He'll speak to us through brothers and sisters, maybe through something prophetic or godly advice. God speaks to us, and it's important that you know he hears you. And it's also important that he knows we can see him. Now, I have never physically seen the Lord, but I've seen him. I've seen answered prayers. I've seen miracles. I've seen people healed. I have been healed. I've seen breakthroughs. I sensed his presence nearby. Maybe you can sense him near you. Maybe he's standing next to your chair right now and you know he is. I see a Lord. I see you. You see, in my marriage with Denise, if all I ever did was I heard her on the phone, but I never saw her face, that's not much of a relationship. Equally, if all I could do is see her, but I never heard her words, how can I love her? How can I continue my relationship with her? You have to both see and hear. And I'm not talking about some spooky, weirdo, I don't know, sacred heart thing appearing in your bedroom or anything like that. But I am talking about hearing God and seeing and seeing one another. This is called relationship. This is Christianity. It's the personal. It's Hagar. It's Mary. It's... Rebecca, it's Joe, it's calling out your names, it's Katie, it's, it's Stephen. He calls you and me by name and it's personal. Let me quote the final scripture here today into chapter 17 and verse 1. And remember, the Bible didn't have verses and chapters uh, back then. It was the King James Bible bought in all of these verses and chapters. What we just had is the whole book of Genesis. So sometimes the same story continues into the next chapter. And my final verse is this. The Lord appeared to Abraham because he had to move Abraham on from the mess he was in as well. And look what God said. I am El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. El Shaddai is more 
than the coronavirus. Would anyone say amen? El Shaddai is more than your unemployment. Would anyone say amen? I'm not saying God can't use these things and we can learn, but God is greater than anything on earth. Do you think all of this pandemic we're in is a huge surprise to God? God knew it was happening. And for some reason, you and I are called to live through this season of life. So don't be frustrated. Look for the hand of God and see what he's doing because he is El Shaddai for you and for me. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray two things in a moment. We're going to pray for anyone who wants to invite Jesus into their lives. But we're also going to pray for those of us here who have someone we love who's on the run. Or maybe we ourselves are on the run from something. And we're going to pray that God breaks through. That he intervenes. And that he blesses us as he blessed Hagar as we obey him. We're going to sing that beautiful, powerful song, Awake My Soul. But we're going to start with the verse. You can throw it up. Speak to me. Let's sing it before we pray. Ben, next verse. Speak to me. Speak to me, word of God. Speak to me.